Hey friends, welcome back to the Catwalk. My name is Clark Cowden. I'm the host of this podcast and I want to thank you once again for joining with us in this week's message. Today we are beginning a series for June and July on uh, questions that people have asked about faith and God and life and how what we believe applies to our daily lives. Uh, today we begin with a message that has to do with questions on faith and financial management. How does what you believe affect how you manage your money and your resources and the stewardship of uh, the finances that uh, you have been given? What difference does it make and how does it change uh, the process and the outcome that you follow in order to be a faithful and responsible financial steward? I invite you to sit back and relax and reflect on this message on faith and financial management. Today we are kicking off our summer sermon series on questions of faith. These are based on questions that people submitted that they were wondering about as well as other various conversations that have taken place in recent months. Today, we begin with a question that someone asked. Is it wrong to save and invest for retirement with the intent of leaving your money to your family? First of all, I'd like for us to look at a few of the financial principles that the Bible talks about in a general sense, and then we will close by talking about this question specifically. There are many places in the Bible where it talks about money, how we should manage it, and what our attitude towards it should be. One of those places is in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, and verses 17 through 19, which says this. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. This passage tells us four things about our money management, two problems and two solutions. Number one, the first problem is that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. This is a verse that often gets misquoted. It does not say that money is a root of all kinds of evil. It says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. The problem is not the money itself. The problem is when we love our money too much. 
The problem is that when we are so eager for money, it can cause us to wander away from our faith. Our eagerness to acquire more money can cause us grief. This is saying that craving money is a problem. Greed is a problem. Selfishness is a problem. Paul is talking about when we love the wrong things. This is about when we love our money too much. This is when we put too much love into something secondary and it becomes more important to us than our love for God and our love for people, which are primary. The problem is that it is so easy to be in denial about our love for money. It's easy to be blind to how much our love for money consumes us. We don't always see our problems clearly or accurately. And if other people try to point it out to us, we can get defensive. We are not always self-aware enough to recognize when our passions become too strong. It's easy to fall in love with money. So Paul is cautioning us to not let that happen. He doesn't say that the love of money is the root of all evil. He says the love of money is a root of all evil. This is not the only root of evil. This is one root of evil. There are others. But this is something we want to take care that we don't allow our desire for money to put down roots into our soul so much that it begins to push out our love of God and our love for people. A second problem that Paul writes about here is don't put your hope in money. Verse 17 says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Paul has recognized that it's easy for people who have a lot of money to become arrogant, to become proud and conceited. It's easy for the rich to look down on people who are not wealthy. It's easy for them to think they are better than other people. That's not the attitude God wants us to have. The problem here is when we put our hope in wealth, because wealth is uncertain. Instead, Paul says we are to put our hope in God. The issue is not that we don't need money. The issue is that God can richly provide us with everything we need for our enjoyment. When you don't have a lot of money, that can be hard to do. If you don't have a high salary, if you are living on Social Security or some dwindling retirement funds, it can be difficult to trust God to provide for you. Paul is saying that the problem is putting our hope in our money. Instead, we need to put our hope in God who provides our money. 
Money is not the real source of our security. God is the real source of our security. The amount of money we have can quickly go up or down. Last March, when the coronavirus hit, the stock market had one of its steepest declines in history. And a lot of people lost a lot of money very quickly. Many people wondered if the market would ever come back. There was no guarantee. So if Paul were our financial advisor, he would begin with these two cautions. Don't love your money too much and don't put your hope in money. Love God more than your finances and put your hope in God who can provide you what you need. Then Paul moves on to two solutions. The first solution is to be generous. Verse 18 says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. We all have different amounts of money. We are not equal in the amount of money each one of us has. But all of us can do good things with our money. Paul is commanding us to be rich in good deeds, to be generous, and to be willing to share. The biblical idea is that God always gives us more money than we need. That's hard for a lot of people to understand. Many people have the mindset that they never have enough money. Their money runs out before the month runs out. But the Bible talks about how God gives us money so that we can give some away to others. Some people have a scarcity mindset, and some people have an abundance mindset. Sometimes it's easier to focus on what we don't have than what we do have. God wants us to rejoice in what we do have and to be able to see the abundance of riches he has already given us. One of the patterns that we encourage people to follow is the 10-10-80 principle. This means that you give away the first 10% of your income as a tithe. You put the second 10% of your income into savings or investments for the future. And then you live on 80% of your income. The Old Testament talks about tithing. There are a number of verses that talk about bringing 10% of your money or 10% of your grain that you're farming or 10% of your animals that you're raising and bring them to God. The New Testament talks about generosity. God wants us to have an attitude where we are generous with our resources. It is where we enjoy giving to the church, we enjoy giving to missions, we enjoy giving to charities in our community, we enjoy leaving a tip for those who wait on us in restaurants. We don't see these as obligations that we grudgingly do. The Bible tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. 
We like to be generous with others. God has given us money to live in, but part of our money is given to us so that we can bless others. The Bible says that every Christian needs to be giving financially to the church they are involved in. When we encourage you to give to our church, it's not just to meet the financial needs of our church. It's because giving can actually help you grow spiritually. Giving to the church can help you become a more generous person where you realize you are contributing to a group of people who are making a difference in our world and you are contributing to a work that is touching people's lives and you are supporting a ministry that's working to make our community a better place to live. One of the problems that we have in America is that the average person only gives away about 2 to 3% of their income. If everyone gave away 10% of their income, most churches would have enough money. Most missions and charities would have enough money. And while rich people tend to give more dollars than poor people do, studies have shown that many rich people actually give a smaller percentage of their money than those with smaller incomes. The solution that Paul is talking about here is to be a generous person. Cultivate a generous spirit. When you see a need, give to it. When you are presented with an opportunity, give gladly. When you see a church or a cause or an organization that you believe in, give to it. This will help you grow spiritually. It will make a difference in the world and it will please God. The other solution that Paul talks about here is to store up treasures for the future. Verse 19 says, in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. The phrase in this way points us back to verse 18. In other words, by doing good, by being rich in good deeds, by being generous and willing to share, you will lay up treasure for yourself as a firm foundation for the coming age. Obviously, this goes beyond money, but it also includes our money. This includes the good deeds that we do, but it also includes a future-oriented mindset. It's not wrong to save for your future needs. That's a smart thing to do. During our working years, we need to save and invest and plan so that we will have some income for our retirement years. There's nothing wrong with that. I think Paul is trying to get people to not just think about whether I have enough money for today or for this week or for this month. I think he's wanting us to think into the future 
How do we lay up treasure as a firm foundation for the coming age, both in this life and in the next? So, to get back to our original question, is it wrong to save or invest for retirement with the intent of leaving money to your family? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But there are a few things I think we need to think about. I don't think we should say, I am unable to tithe or give money to the church today because I'm saving up my money to leave my family after I die. If my desire to leave my money to my family in the future is preventing me from being generous in the present, that's not good. Part of trusting God with our money is believing that I can still tithe today and God will provide me and my family with the money we need for the future. I think part of what we want to do is to model giving to our children and our families. We want them to know that it's important for, to us to give to the church now and that we believe God will still take care of us. We need to provide positive, healthy examples with our regular weekly or monthly giving. One example of this is that I know many people who include their tithes in their will. In other words, when they write up their will, they will say, after all my loans and debts and expenses are settled after I die, I want the first 10% of my estate to be given to my church or a mission or a charity that's important to me. Then the remaining 90% I leave to be divided up among my children and family. I think that's a great thing to do. It's a way of continuing to model tithing and generosity even after you die and demonstrating to your family the importance of giving. Personally, I believe all of the adults in this room and all the adults worshiping online right now should have a will. If you don't have a will, I would recommend you make it a priority to get a will before the end of this month. As someone who conducts funeral services and who talks to people when their loved ones have died, I know that people who have not had wills have created additional burdens for their families. It can cause confusion or extra decision-making when people are grieving. It can mean the government gets more of your money and your family gets less of your money. I think part of good, faithful financial stewardship is having a will in place to make things clearer and easier after you are gone. So no, I don't think it's wrong to save up money to pass on to your family 
after you are gone. But I think what we want to do is model giving and not hoarding. The attitude is not how much can I keep to myself. The attitude is that God wants us as Christians to be generous people. We are not to be selfish hoarders who are hiding our money from others and trying to stockpile it just for ourselves. We are to be a loving and giving people who enjoy blessing others with the blessings God has given to us. So here in Paul's first letter to Timothy, number one, he is cautioning us against the love of money. Greed and craving money can lead to evil. Secondly, he's telling us not to put our hope in money, but to put our hope in God. Thirdly, he tells us to be generous, to be rich in good deeds, and to look for opportunities to give. And fourthly, he tells us to have a future mindset, to save up our treasure for the age to come. If we are cultivating the right attitude toward our money throughout the course of our lifetime, I don't think there's anything wrong with saving up money to leave to our families after we are gone. God bless. Stay safe. See you soon.